Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Well, hey, welcome back to Voices in My Head. This is Rick Lee James, your host as always, and I'm coming to you again from my car. I know, I know. I told you before I was going to be doing some on-the-road shows, and this is one of those on-the-road episodes. You may actually hear, because I'm recording this through my iPhone and through my earbuds, uh, you not only get to hear the sounds of the road as I'm driving, but you may actually get to hear some uh, some insight as to where I need to go from Google Maps as I'm traveling along here. So I just wanted to let you know about that. Uh, I want to talk about today the life cycle of empires, which is something I find fascinating, especially at the point where we are in history. I figured I've got some good time in the car today to be able to travel and to be able to talk because I'm going from gig to gig. I also figured I would tell you some stories about life on the road because it's a little bit different life than some of you might be accustomed to who just have a regular nine to five job five days a week I get to share a little bit of my experience with you of being on the road so uh, at this time it's uh, Saturday and I just finished playing a gig at, uh, at Indian Lake uh, many of you if you follow my website at rickleyjames.com or if you get my emails uh, by the way if you don't get my emails sign up at rickleyjames.com and uh, you can get my emails that just tell about different happenings. Uh, but I told you that I get to pl- got to play at a Crowder concert. Uh, and that's where I just came from, actually. It was sort of an all-day music festival, and there was um, two stages, actually. So, you know, the real artists, uh, Crowder and, and his gang, they get the really big stage, and we had the really little stage. Now, just to tell you how this works sometimes, um, Shine FM, first of all, I want to thank Shine FM, which is a radio station in the area that brought me in to play today. I'm very grateful to them, and I'm grateful for the, the way that they were uh, making this a, a priority, just that they wanted this great day on the lake, on the beach there, and to be able to have a time where families could come and get Christian music, and there was all kinds of shopping, there was all kinds of vendors, it was like food trucks, so it was like playing on a stage uh, where, in the midst of like an alley where a bunch of food trucks and vendors are, so it was it was kind of a cool experience to be able to do that, but I have to say, uh, just so you know what it's like sometimes, it's not all glitz and glamour when you're traveling, that is for certain. Uh, I've played so many outdoor uh, venues this year, and uh, today was no exception. It was outside. Thank God there was a nice uh, tarp that they had put up over the stage so that the artists, that we wouldn't have to uh, to die of heat exhaustion. But when I got there, it, it was interesting because I found out real quick, like, oh, this is the sound system we have to work with. Somebody had let them borrow the system. And it wasn't working quite right when I first plugged in, so it was time for my set to begin. And eight minutes into my set, we still didn't have the audio running correctly through the sound system, so that was kind of a bummer. So, you know, my 40, 35, 40 minute set actually dropped down by the time we actually got going. I only got about to do about four or five songs. 
But that's okay. It was still a fun time, and I, it was nice because a crowd gathered while I was playing, and that was a really neat thing. There was a band before uh, that did a great job, but I think maybe it was just not peak time, and uh, more people started coming in around the time I was playing, and people started putting down chairs, and you have to understand the way it is in Indian Lake. It, it's just this really amazing beautiful spot with a beach and so there's people walking around you constantly and people going to the beach people going to the vendors people going to the food trucks so it was a great opportunity to get to play uh, in front of a bunch of people whether they liked it or not um, so that was wonderful but it, it was funny because one other funny thing was when I set up my uh, my place there on stage I didn't realize the way that they had this tent set up that I was set up right in front of a pole. I was so distracted by all the setup and all the things going wrong. So when my set actually began, it was like I was singing straight to this thin white pole in front of me. And there was a flap hanging down that was like covering the top of my face. So it's just one of those things that happens whenever you play outdoor gigs and you're not the headliner. But uh, still, it was it was a lot of fun to be able to play there. So I'm on a drive right now. I have roughly four hours left of my drive. So for the next four hours, I'm going to be talking to you on the Voices in My Head podcast. Just kidding. I'm not going to be talking to you that long. But uh, I am heading to West Virginia to Little Sandy Church of the Nazarene right now where I'll be playing in the morning and then tomorrow night I'll be playing in Oak Hill, West Virginia. Chances are by the time you hear this, the uh, those concerts are already be passed. But if you're in the West Virginia area and you're listening to this podcast and uh, on it's August 6th right now, so you still have time to come see me if you would like to. Uh, okay, well, the topic that I wanted to talk about today, it's something that has been interesting to me for quite a long time. Uh, but I but I actually only recently came to know more about this whole idea of the life cycle of an empire. I have known for quite some time that quote that you know history buffs are always throwing around that that those who do not remember their past are are doomed to repeat it or those who don't remember their history. I don't know the quote exactly, but the idea that we need to learn from our past, we need to see where we've been before, or we may actually repeat our past. Well, I recently watched a documentary, and I can't remember the exact uh, name of it. I think it was, I think it's called The Four Horsemen, and it's not a biblical movie or anything, but it's sort of using the imagery of the Four Horsemen from the Book of the Revelation uh, to talk about just the uh, the end of of empires, the the life cycle of empires, and what they go through. And it's interesting to me to look at where our nation, the United States of America. Uh, I do consider us an empire um, to see where we are in the life stage of things. And I hope you won't hear this today as being like, like, oh no, we're doomed, because I actually see this as something uh, with a lot of hope that we can talk about. Even though it may sound like a little bit of doom and gloom at the beginning, I really do feel like there is much hope in, in what I'm going to be talking about today. And it just so happens that I have some time on the road, so pre- pretend like this is a, a little bit of a lecture that I'm going to be bringing to you today. Now, this whole thing is inspired by this document that was written by Lieutenant General Sir John Glubb. 
Uh, he did this essay called The Fate of Empires, and I want to say it was around uh, the turn of the century, late 1800s, early 1900s, whenever he wrote this. Uh, I've read the document in its entirety. Uh, it's excellent research. It's fascinating in research. But this General uh, John Glubb, General Sir John Glubb, I should say, in this um, in this report, really, he did it was it was scholarly research that was done about life cycles of empires. He found that there were just remarkable similarities between all empires. He went back as far as he could uh, in our history as human beings, as far as we have records of empires that have come, empires that have gone. And it was it's a very interesting report to read, The Life Cycle of an Empire, and I believe that is the title of um, of the research paper that he did and published at that time that has been widely passed around. It's very interesting because it seems like every empire, no matter what empire they are, throughout history, they have a very similar life cycle. And in this uh, scholarly work that he did back towards the turn of the century, um, he has it laid out, and it's it's so interesting to read and to read about the different life cycles and the way the empires go through. So I want to to like use that statement that historians use, you know, about if we don't remember our past, we're doomed to repeat it. I think it's possible that even if we do remember our past, we're doomed to repeat it. And I, maybe doomed is, a, is a, a bad word to use in this context, but I do. I, I wonder if it's just not who we are as human beings and who we are as civilizations, and if it's just simply something that we go through, something that maybe all empires go through. So maybe we could think of an empire like let's say the United States of America, or let's say Rome, or let's say you know the the, the great uh, empires throughout all of history that have come and gone. Um, maybe we could almost look at them like people in some way. And, and what I mean by that is, as people, it seems like we go through different identities and through different changes. And as people, we have consequences that come about from our actions. Uh, we have decisions that we make, and I think throughout the life cycle of a person that we definitely have different stages in our lives that mark us as different people. I look back at the person that I was 15 years ago, and I bet if I went back and met myself 15 years ago, uh, the guy that I am now meeting my past self, I don't think I hardly even recognize me. Uh, well, for one thing, I've lost a bunch of weight. But um, the, the other side of it is, oh, and I'm bald now. I actually had hair 15 years ago, and I, I really don't have much hair to speak of now. But anyway, on a, on a more serious note, I just think I'm a completely different person. At that time, um, I was still married uh, to my first wife. Uh, life was different. I would say life was harder in many ways. Um, many different things that I was going through. I was a full-time uh, youth and music pastor uh, in a church. I wasn't traveling. I wasn't doing the recording artist thing. Um, I had different views on many things, and I'm, I'm a much different person now in, in many, many ways, I think. So if you look at a person and how many lives, <coughs> excuse me, how many cycles of life that we go through as a person and how many cycles we go through as a person, I think it makes sense that empires made up of people and made up of governments who are made up of people, that they also would go through a life cycle. So according to General John Glubb in this excellent research paper that he did on the life cycle of an empire, 
Uh, he states that an empire lasts 250 years, roughly. Um, there's really... Oh, there's Google Maps. Uh, there was Google Maps, so hopefully you know, that didn't bother the recording too much. Uh, anyway, 250 years. Now, you can't actually say, here's the end date, now the empire's over, done. Uh, they're more rough estimations when you look at it, but you can generally gauge the age that a culture is in, and you can have a look at those cultures and have a pretty good idea about where they are in, in the cycle. It's not like somebody would go, okay, um, the United States of America, it's today, let's see, today's August 6th, well, it's over now, Empire's done, uh, and we're going to move on to something else. No, there, there's a lot more subtle changes that happen, uh, so you can't just go like, hey, it's one thing and then you're done. There actually are, are multiple things that an empire, that a culture goes through, and, it, and it's not always just 250 years. Sometimes it's more, sometimes Sometimes it's less, less. Uh, sometimes it's significantly less. Um, so it always starts out, according to John Glove anyway, as he had done this excellent research, the first cycle of an empire is called the Age of Pioneers. Sorry, I've got to watch the road and I'm getting into some traffic here. Not that I'm not watching the road all the time, just in this little bit hairy part here in Columbus that I'm driving through. Anyway, the Age of Pioneers. So that's exactly what you think it is. Age of Pioneers. A time where people go in and do things. Uh, do things that have not been done before. When the pioneers would go into a place, it's not like they took the roads in. The pioneers went in and they were chopping down trees and they were you know, fighting for their lives and they had to watch out for the wildlife that was there. Uh, so pioneering was tough business, tough work. Those are people that you know you've got to doff your hat to for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm really interested to to see how this recording turns out with uh, Google Maps continually jumping in here. Uh, if if you can hear Google Maps whenever the, it comes on, I don't know if the recording is still recording at that point, but you'll know exactly the route that I'm taking today. <laughs> so very interesting. So anyway, the Age of Pioneers is the first thing. So these are the people that come in. So the beginning of our nation, let's call that the Age of Pioneers. And then there's the Age of Conquest. It seems like an empire always goes through an Age of Conquest. I think we would see it in our nation, in our past, when you go through and you see uh, the settlers coming in. And they were the ones that started... Uh, not just coming in and farming land, but they began conquering things. I mean, it's a very known, sad part of our history uh, that, you know, Europeans came in and started conquering land and, and taking from people. And it extended beyond just our continent, sadly. We conquered people on the African continent and brought them over as slaves, and it just seems like we were in an age of conquerors. Well, in the life cycle of an empire, there's always an age of conquerors, people that come in and dominate. Well, then, once the conquering is done, there is always an age of commerce that happens. So, people finally 
get to a point where they're starting to establish themselves and they actually have goods and things to begin to trade and things to share with one another and so business starts and so you start uh, cycling this uh, the cycle is commerce so it, it is exactly what it says it is there's no um, uh, no trick to the name of it and then because of the commerce because of people starting to do better um, people are able to enjoy the fruit of their labors a little bit maybe not the generation that did so much of the labor but we move into this age of affluence where let the good times roll maybe that's how we should say at the age of affluence we have not only everything we need we have more than what we need there starts to become classes of people again uh, and, and there were classes always but the classes are becoming more distinct and so people that have really have and people that don't have really don't have it's it's an age of affluence but even those who don't have on some level have more than people in other countries that don't have that are not part of this great empire um, case in point even though we have some extreme poor situations and some real poverty situations um, compared to other countries our poverty situation doesn't even look like poverty it almost looks like wealth in some ways and and that's saying a lot because we have some really desperate people in some desperate situations in this country um, but just by comparison um, it, it's an age of affluence by comparison and then there comes this age of intellect and I'll, I'll have to let you decide as a listener which of these final two uh, stages in the life cycle of a nation that we're in but the age of intellect comes along and it seems like that intellect becomes the dominant feature of, of people who are affluent and who are well-to-do. Um, they know better. They think better. I think of like maybe the great Gatsby type era of things where you know everybody seems to have this scientific mind and, and mind over matter and you almost don't even need God anymore because there's so much influence of our intellect that is guiding things. At least that's how I'm interpreting uh, what Glub is talking about. And the age of intellect comes with a lot of advances because there's a lot of people who are able to read now. You know, it's not it's not just the the elite who can read in a society where you're you've become affluent, where commerce is flourishing. Um, and the empire is taking care of its people, as empires are, are known to do, uh, even if at the expense of other people outside the empire, um, there's this age of intellect. And so if you realize that just the fact that most people you know can read, um, that's a sign of a thriving empire, because a lot of people around the world can't read. They don't have the luxury of getting an education. And just the fact that we have something like public schools um, means that we are at least in the age of the intellect. So this leads me to the sixth age. So just just to recap quickly before we get into the last one, which I think we're in now in the final stage of an empire, we go from the age of pioneers to the age of conquest, the age of commerce, the age of affluence, the age of intellect, and that leads us finally to the age of decadence. And I think... I think that's where we are now. And and maybe if I elaborate on, on what this means by the age of decadence, you'll understand. An undisciplined, 
an overextended military. Well, thank you, Google Maps. Um, Now, that's not necessarily a statement against our military, but I I don't know that I would say our military is lax, but maybe compared to some parts of the world, uh, it would be considered that in some way. But I would say probably overextended is a good way of describing it. Um, The the final age is marked by an overextended military because um, it has more of a share in more parts of the world because it is a bigger military. So it just kind of makes sense that that's one of the ways that it goes. We just tend to overextend ourselves as empires. And then there is a conspicuous display of wealth in the age of decadence. Um, so think things like, I mean, on, on one hand, we have like theme parks like Disney World, which just show off massive amounts of wealth. But beyond that, we have people who live in, in a, an amount of wealth that most people can't even imagine around the world. I mean, they have wealth that an entire country could live off on by some people, and it's a very, very conspicuous display of that. And then another mark of the age of decadence, tell tell me if this sounds familiar, uh, a massive disparity between rich and poor. Um, Now, I I think that there is getting to be that... Sorry. There is getting to be a gap like that more all the time, I think. Um, I still wonder about... I still wonder about that, though, because... um, it feels like to me in some ways the divide between rich and poor is huge. <clears throat> it is a huge divide between rich and poor. I mean, there are excesses. I mean, there are people in this country that live in a, a, a state beyond where I can imagine living at. But at the same time, uh, I probably live in a state where other people in our country uh, can't imagine living at the level that I live at with my own particular income or my wife's income, and um, so it's really hard to say there with the the, the disparity between rich and poor that happens. Uh, but another another a, um, sign of the age is um, a desire to live off of a bloated state. Uh, to allow the state to start paying for everything, to allow the state to um, continue with its opulence, just taking care of the citizens. And more and more, there is a lack of people pulling their own weight in societies. Now, I'm not making a statement about, you know, I, I, it, it would e- be easily done to start pointing to, oh, you know, this segment of our society or another. But I think more and more, we've gotten used to being taken care of in many ways. I don't know that that's a bad thing altogether. It's just it's just a mark of um, empires. They try to take care of their people, but unfortunately, just like the overextended military, empires also start to overextend themselves with the care that they can provide for their people. So if you think about it like a person in a family, you know, I, I have a son. He's three years old now, and I do everything I can to take care of that son. However, there will be a day and time, you know, he's going to be an adult one day where I don't 
not only do I not want to provide for everything he wants, there's got to be a point where he has to learn to do it for himself. I can help out from time to time, that's for sure, but I wouldn't have the kind of money it, it took to you know, provide for him as an adult for all the things that he may want or that he may need. So imagine that multiply if I have more kids down the road and then try to do the same thing with them if I'm trying to provide and and then let, they're just living off of mom and dad until they're you know 40 which I may be dead by the time kids I have are 40 because I'm an old guy but it, you can just imagine how it works that way with the family so it works that way with uh, the bloated state as well now this is this next point is one that I see uh, very much to be part of our age and very much part of the cycle that we're in an obsession with sex uh, an obsession with sex is that's a, that's a mild way of putting where our society is at I mean it's why you can't buy a candy bar without thinking sex it's why you can't look at a a it's why you can't look at a Dodge truck commercial without seeing sex. Uh, you can't go out and buy clothes without thinking sex. You can't go to a swimming pool. Can't go to a swimming pool without society, uh, you know, reading sex into that or somewhere. And so we don't buy clothes out of comfort. We we buy things out of wanting to look sexy. We make choices of what we're going to eat based on if it looks sexy. We make decisions about what we're going to drive on whether or not it's going to be sexy. Um, there also are is an overemphasis on sexual rights. Um, and again, I'm not going to be the one to judge right or wrong on, on all of those things, but it's just interesting that our society is in a place where it seems to obsess about all things sexual. And throughout history, uh, through the ages of empires, in that last cycle before the end of an empire, that always seems to become something that empires become obsessed with. You can see it everywhere, so I, I don't even have to name examples. You can just think, you know, when I say the word sex, there's going to be 150 things that come to your mind, I'm sure, if you, if you dwell on it long enough. Uh, not that I want you to be dwelling on that. that, that came out wrong. But anyway, just to let you know, that's part of it. And then there's also a debasement of the currency. The, the, one of the last things that I have, um, currency just continues to go down and down and down. I can tell you from my, my few travels outside the country, um, that's true, that the American dollar is not worth what it once was. Uh, so I think that we are in an age of obsession. Now one thing that this documentary I watched brought out that I found to be also fascinating when having to do with this particular age of decadence is uh, throughout history. Now you wouldn't you wouldn't think this would be a thing. You would probably think this was just with the the um, advent of uh, television reality shows and things like that. But there was an over obsession uh, with chefs. Uh, always toward the end of an empire throughout history, you'll notice that there becomes an obsession with those who are involved in the culinary arts chefs become celebrities society makes them celebrities because basically in this age what societies have done is they have so thrown out everything that originally made them who they were and originally brought meaning to them that they are searching anywhere they can in any possible means 
except maybe where you could actually find meaning, like God, for instance, um, they begin to search everywhere they can for meaning except where the places with meaning are. So appetites, you know, it's, it's sort of the reason that we have the obsession with sex because we think if we could just get that, that level of gratification sexually, then that means we're really going to have something of value and of worth. Well, think of other appetites, too. Um, if you make a, the, your appetite for food um, the, the driving force in your life, to, to just have a meal that tastes good, to just have something yummy, and we talk about comfort food, and, and we have a society that doesn't base our food upon what's healthy and nourishing. We actually put our food out based on what's economical and cheap and tastes good. And so um, this over-obsession with celebrity chefs and things like that, isn't it just fascinating that throughout history that's not a new thing? That's something that all empires have come into contact with. In our society, it's a proven fact you know, that, that food companies make their bread and butter, and no pun intended, um, off of us who eat and, and consume their food by making food full of sugar, salt, and fat. Um, those are the proven ingredients used to, to create addicts, sugar, salt, and fat. Any food combination with sugar, salt, and fat um, it's just a fact that that is what it takes to addict a person. It's how we create addicts. So if you think that you can, like, look down your nose on someone... If you think you can look down your nose on people who are addicted to drugs, people who are addicted to alcohol, people who are addicted to much of anything. It could be TV. I think a lot of us are addicted to TV. Um, that was another thing I think I forgot to bring out, but in the final stage of an empire and in that age of decadence, there's also an overemphasis upon uh, people who do who do and bring entertainment. So it almost gets to another appetite. We have this appetite for what we can see, for what we can take in, for what we consume. And it's just fascinating to me to think about the life cycle of an empire. By my estimation, and by looking at what I consider to be the life cycle of an empire, uh, I would say we are definitely in that final stage. Um, I think that, you know, the United States of America, we're getting close to 250 years. It's going to happen in, in my lifetime, for sure, in the next, uh, what is it, the next 20 years, something like that. I can't, off the top of my head, I'm in traffic and I'm not thinking well, but, you know, we're about 250 years old as a nation. So, what does that mean, uh, if we look at the life cycle of empires? Well, that means probably our nation's about ready to end. I mean, it's it's... it's very clear whenever you look at things like um, our political parties and the way they're structured. We have such a, a broken political system right now. I mean, it's, it's not going to correct itself. It's just not going to, in my opinion. And uh, something that started out as good and, and maybe just at one time, um, because capitalism is actually built on every single of one of the seven deadly sins, there's only so long that an empire that's built on capitalism can last, I think. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes about. But one encouraging thing, maybe a couple encouraging things I can state from this, I don't see this all as like doom and gloom and, oh, no, we're done, the country's over. It, it just, 
is something that happens. There's certain life cycles that go on. It doesn't mean humankind's going to end. It doesn't mean, like, Christianity's going to end. It doesn't mean, like, the world's going to end or anything. It just means something new and different is happening. A few weeks ago, whenever I had Dr. Jess Middendorf on the podcast, I was asking him questions specifically about where he sees hope in the world and where he sees hope in, like, the Church of the Nazarene that we're a part of. And one of the things he said is is just he sees so so much hope around the globe. There's so much hope for what people are doing. Um, and the hope that we see here in this country is that things are, are starting to move a little bit more away from, like, massive, huge, consumeristic-type lifestyles. And that's one thing that we can say is, is a wonderful thing that hopefully could come out of an empire ending is it's not so much that we're this enormous place anymore that feels like we're the big kid on the block as much as we are more um, smaller groups living together on the same continent. So it could be that you know states kind of start breaking apart and, and becoming their own uh, form of governorship, maybe apart from the United States. Who knows what this looks like in the, in the long term. But we might see that we'll go away from... Uh, allowing places like Walmart, for instance, to be the only source of where we buy things, and we actually start coming back to smaller communities, and we start providing for each other and taking care of each other. And while we might be becoming more global, in a sense, because with the internet and our phones and all the ways that we interact, we are actually more global than we've ever been before, but I think in some ways we need to get smaller, not bigger. Um, there's only so much we can do with uh, people around the world, and I think it's wonderful that we have a global mindset. I think it's wonderful that we can communicate and have relationships with people around the world. But one encouraging thing I see about the fall of an empire, um, if, if in fact we are in that stage right now, according to what John Glubb researched uh, almost 100 years ago now, um, if we are in that stage, I just think it's wonderful that we could actually become a people who care for each other again and live in communities that care for each other and live in communities that love for each other. And we don't go to the grocery store anymore just to get food for our family, but we start providing as a community for each other. And we begin living life together again. So those are some positive things that I see if this is in fact the way the empire is going. Now, all of this is just conjecture and all of this is just interesting research that I find uh, particularly fascinating. Uh, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, I don't think there's ever been a country quite like the United States of America in all of history. Uh, I think in some ways we're special, but I think in, in the ways um, that truly matter, in the ways in the hearts of people, I think people are the same and always have been the way that we are right now. And I think we'll just see those cycles repeat and repeat. And it'll be interesting to see where God takes us and um, who... Who he builds up next, it's very interesting that Romans 13 passage, as much as I like to kick against it sometimes, I really do think there's something to the idea that God establishes power and authority and sometimes in governments and things like that. And so it'll be interesting to see where God is leading next. Now, I would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode of Voices in My Head. I hope that you don't think this is just um, a droning on that has been going on while I drive. Uh, I've enjoyed talking about this. Um, obviously, it's something I had to talk about where I couldn't be looking at notes the whole time or anything because I'm going down the road. 
And it's a good thing I was not reading something because I just passed a police officer. And I was alert and paying attention while I was driving. Um, so tell me, anyway, um, I'm sorry this seems off the, the cuff a little bit, but I'd love to hear back from you. You can use my Twitter, Rick Lee James, at Rick Lee James. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts, your comments, your questions. Maybe you think General John Glubb is way off base in his assessment. Um, I think that would be uh, hard to argue against. It seems like this assessment, if you go through other empires, you would probably find that to be the cycle. But to be honest, I haven't researched tons and tons of other empires, so maybe some of you that listen to the show that are world history buffs, maybe you can tell me if General Glubb was on the mark uh, over 100 years ago whenever he wrote this paper about the life cycle of empires. Uh, if you think that, that, hey, this general was correct, or if you think, man, he was really off his nut, didn't know what he was talking about, uh, I'd love to hear it. So you can reach me through email, rick at rickleejames.com. By the way, that email can also be used if you have any interest in bringing me to your church to do a concert or any sort of sermons. Uh, I'm much better at a sermon than I am on an off-the-cuff podcast. At least I think I am, anyway. Uh, and I'd love to do concerts. You can go to rickleyjames.com. Uh, I think it's slash booking. rickleyjames.com slash booking. Uh, you can find all the resources to book me there. Uh, you can send feedback about this episode through Facebook. Just go to facebook.com. Look up Rickley James Artist page. Uh, and there are lots of different ways. I'm on Google. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on rickleyjames.com. I'm everywhere you want to be. I'm like Visa. So make sure and send me that feedback. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you think about today's episode. And if you think there's any hope in, in what I said today, I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on that because I do think that there is a, a lot of hope uh, in this world. And I don't know if it's coming straight from our country, but I think there's a lot of hope around the world that is actually coming to us. I mean, we are in a, a time when missionaries are being sent from other countries to the United States of America to bring hope and the hope and the light of the gospel to us. And boy, we sure do need it. So that's it for today, I guess. I'm going to focus on driving once again. Not that I haven't been. I promise you, I've been focusing on driving. Um, but it's been great to be with you on Voices in My Head. Uh, God bless you guys, and hopefully I'll hear from you. Take care. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace, who raised Christ from the dead, strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>